Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Codex West Podcast. Uh, this is, what is this, episode 8B. Yeah, 8 um, something like that. Our, yeah, our politics section. Um, this is, uh, I'm here with Mark. What's Sam up, Mark. man? Yo, yo. Uh, Jacob's again taking a nap. I think Jacob's on a permanent nap status right now. Yeah, yeah, for uh, this talk, for this, uh, yeah, for this segment at least. Yeah. Get, <laughs> yeah. Save it up for those really we, great, uh, World of Warcraft. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Apparently, that's a, we're a gaming podcast now. Yeah. Sorry. To, uh, <laughs> sorry to burst everybody's bubble and talk about taxes, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So we did take a little break, um, and we're back, and we're going to talk about taxes, which is super exciting. Um, <laughs> but right now, we're the the current battle in Congress. I would say the major battle right now is uh, the tax relief reform bill. Um, which uh, the House and the Senate have both released their versions of at this moment. Actually, I think it turns out, I don't know if the Senate actually released theirs yet. Because I think that they just like... No, they they actually put out the whole bill? They released it, I think, on the 8th. They released it Mm -hmm. on on Wednesday. So like about like five days ago. Okay, because I read something today that I think they brought it back in for retooling because everybody threw up. Oh, they might. They might like threw up a little in their mouths, you know what I mean? Yep, which they probably should have. Yeah. The thing's sort of absurd. So I think we're going to try and talk about it, maybe get a little theoretical. Um, tax is definitely not my strong suit at all. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> when funny. It comes to I, po- I love taxes. It's. I mean, I know that that's a funny thing to say. Um, it was one of my favorite classes in law school. I just really, I, I, I don't know, I like the area of law. Um, and I think that uh, policy-wise, it goes completely unrecognized as probably the most important aspect of our domestic economic policy, right? And, you know, it's because I, yeah. it's boring. I mean, well, what happens is that it becomes that, you know, this conversation about just, like, lower or higher taxes or something like that, right? But they're all, you know, all the culture war stuff is so much sexier than just talking about, like, you know, deductions and exemptions from income and pass through, you know, income tax rates and stuff like that. Nobody wants to talk about all those numbers. It can be sexy, though, I think. Well, I mean, it's (laughs) not. Well, I guess it could be sexy in that um, (laughs) what we're doing, I think we're talking about taxes is we're we're negotiating what we think people owe each other. Right. And what activities you do, what the license that you have to take on that activity what you owe um the collective and and because the idea and i think that that's like you know what people owe to each other sometimes like one of the problems that you hear uh a lot of you know more right-leaning tax policy people point out one of the things that they always bring up is that like yeah but what do you actually owe to someone else and something like that right which is why i think that Mm -hmm. it's less about like you don't pay taxes because you owe someone else something. You pay taxes because you owe the system something. Because the entire reason right. you were able to like uh, pursue whatever this particular activity is, that required an entire system of not just legal protections and you know courts, um, but also just general finance. You know, like the New York Stock Exchange only exists because you and I can. Um, uh, sue someone if they don't follow through on uh, the transaction that we've signed. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, or if mm-hmm. there was no recourse for when somebody just took your money and ran when you gave it to them to start, you know, an apple orchard, right, or something like that, mm-hmm. then then you wouldn't you wouldn't have any apple orchards. No one would give anybody money to make apple orchards. You have to have a system. <laughs> have for, no for, apples. Yeah, you would have no apples. So the thing is, you need a system. <laughs> for um, legitimately making that stuff feasible and possible. And taxes is just a way of paying for that system, right? And that system Mm -hmm. is broad. I mean, the reason public education is part of the system that protects my stock trade is because if there wasn't public education, then you would have like roving bands of people in the streets trying to like rob. I mean, like seriously though, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the world, like but the world would the world would essentially fall apart without these kind of underlying uh, structures that are necessary to support transactions. I mean, you can't buy a futures contract without uh, driving the corn on an interstate highway. You know what I mean? True. So the futures true. contract itself is directly tied to the fact that there is a government system for getting the corn from one place to another. Right. So, I guess like yeah. the argument against that would just be like these 
would find a way otherwise outside the government or something. But yeah, it, it's just it's, it's just also really funny though. I, I actually, it's funny the interstate highways. I read a, um, I read a really great. Oh article. well, highways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read a really great article that was just basically like, there are certain projects that are too big for decentralized capitalism, in the sense that like, again, I'm not a communist. What I'm saying is that like. If you built the interstate highway system in private entities, you would have had years and years of 50 different highway authorities, right? That were, you know, done by private companies or there might even be multiple highway companies in any individual state, right? On top of that, those highways wouldn't go to places that it was not economically viable for them to go, right? Why would the highway pass through this small town on its way to the next ta- the next big city when it's out of the way, right? The government is the one that makes the decision so that people in, I don't know, you know, bumfuck nowhere, Iowa, can actually get from pl- point A to point B in the world without driving on, you know, dirt roads the whole time, right? All right. Plus, like, roads are, like, you know, an example of where the geometry of capitalism doesn't actually fall within the geometry of, like, topography, right? Like, if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't... To, <laughs> I, 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 I study ologies. You know what I mean. And, I study ology. You know. I study ologies. I'm an ologist. I'm an ologist. I'm an ology. I'm an ologyologist. Um, the ontology of ologyologists. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably like a flagrant misuse of terminology in that uh, <laughs> sentence I made. Yeah, I, I think but, it's but yeah, it's like if the, the straightest line to point A to point B is one line, then like how are you going to compete if you need two lines? Like, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's pretty true. That's so, funny, yeah. so there's just there's just like logically there's certain cases where we want to come together. But this is kind of getting away from yeah, taxes exactly. a little Let's bit. Let's get back on to taxes. That, yeah, because this is um, – so I, I think in some ways in these bills the – you know, the GOP is revealing themselves in both their true, like, in their honest and completely dishonest intentions. Like, yeah. I think there are some cases here where they actually are attempting to lower taxes for people, uh, for middle class families. Like, yeah. it's it's pretty simple. In the Senate, I don't know, I, I guess you probably know more about the House bill. Um, yeah. I know that it, when it comes to the, the brackets they've reduced in the House bill... Um, this one's going to be kind of weird about talking about this because they're kind of different, but they're not super different, the bills, but there's at least enough differentiations where we're going to have to mm-hmm. sit down yeah. for a second and for be sure. like, oh. so in the house, yeah, the house bill, I don't know exactly how they do it. I'm sure you do, but they break down, uh, or they, they reduce the seven tax brackets we have currently to just four. Yeah. Um, and in the Senate, they keep all seven, but they basically just reduce the high, the top end bracket and- um, some of the middle class brackets for sure, and then they uh, there's an there's a pretty big increase in, to the standard um, deduction, well, which is yeah, I mean it, that, it's hard. It's going. a trade off. Yeah. It's a trade off because a lot of the personal exemptions get completely or maybe all of them get eliminated. There, there a um, lot it, of them. A lot of them do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, but, yeah, go on. Oh no, you go. Okay, so what the thing that I wanted to get at with with what you're talking about, like something that I want that uh, I think frames this whole discussion, is that I mean, anybody who's filed their own taxes knows that what matters about your taxation is not how much you made, it's how you made it. Okay, so one of the things to point out is that like if you just lower tax percentages across the board right? And then get rid of all the deductions, okay? Then what you've done is that you've actually, in many cases, and I, I mean, we'll get, we'll get into this, you know, you're going to end up with people, yeah, some people will pay less, some people will pay more. But the issue here is that when you just look at tax brackets, right, which is what so many people, when you think about taxes, you think about, oh my God, you know, um, for, you know, 39.5% or whatever the upper tax bracket is right now. I think it's 39.5, right? I, yeah. And, and sure so the that. thing is that like 39.5%, oh my God, that's 40% of the money they make, right? This, that, and the other thing. Well, no, not exactly. Not even, not even remotely. Because the whole thing is that not all income is created equally, number one, right? And one of the things about the tax system is that we reward particular types of spending. So deductions 
are best described as expenses you've paid that we won't make you pay taxes on that money you gained and paid out, right? So like if I go and I buy a jacket with money I made from work, I still pay taxes on the money I used to buy the jacket, okay? But yeah. for example, if I'm spending what I, you know, under the current uh, tax plan, not the one being proposed by the Republican Party, but, um, you know, student loan interest, if you pay interest on your student loan, it's as if you didn't make that money at all, right? Now, a deduction, mm-hmm. a deduction is different than an exemption. An exemption is for every dependent you have, you get to minus $4,000 from your income without having had to spend it. Do you know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you made $10,000, but you're only going to pay taxes on $6,000 because you claimed a dependent, even if you don't spend that $4,000 that we gave you the exemption on. A deduction yeah. is a spending. You spend it and now it's out. We act like you never had it in the first place. And an exemption is literally just a free pass saying, take this much out of your taxable income. Now, so the thing that's so bananas about this when you talk about just adjusting tax brackets right that doesn't do a whole lot if anything it's actually highly regressive if you do that and then get rid of a bunch of deductions and exemptions right and exemptions are the thing that helps middle class and poor americans the most because think about it like this to take advantage of a deduction you have to have the money to spend on the thing in the first place right an exemption just says because you have a child you get to pay uh, you get to pay taxes on 4000 less dollars of your income that's much different than did you spend however much on education or something like this right so right. um something to point out is that like don't get like people get fooled very easily like I'm only coming back to yeah, to bring it back to what you were saying exactly like you were like it looks like they make an attempt to lower taxes on this bracket or that bracket right but the truth of the matter mm. is that just lowering that percentage is a really good way of making it look like that's what they're doing. When really right. the underlying thing that's going on is that they're getting rid of all of the different ways that you can reduce the income being taxed in the first place. Right? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more uh, later, but specifically when you talk about uh, when you talk about like taxable income. It's not just deductions and exemptions. We're going to get into, uh, I want to talk about, you know, um, uh, uh, capital gains tax at some point soon. But the thing is that, like, in order to take advantage of the tax system as it is, you have to have the money to take advantage of it in the first place. Right? Which is why just, you know, it's kind of lip service to just go and cut percentages. It's just a way of making it look simpler. Right. But it, I mean, it's a fantasy world to think that you would be able to file the taxes for a, you know, a family of four on one side of one piece of paper or something like that. Right. That's a fantasy world. It's it's much more complicated right. than that. Um, and I mean, to get a little bit theoretical, I, I, I when we talk about income tax, one other thing to keep in mind is that like income tax itself, the act of taxing taxing income is a very pro rich concept immediately. I'll tell you why, because. It taxes how much richer you got, not how much richer you are than everyone else. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. So the idea is that like if you had taxes on assets, how much you have, then what we're taxing is we're taxing how rich you are in general, right? But if we just tax the increments by which you grow yearly and then give this whole complicated system of ways that you can spend and organize the ingress and egress of your monies, right? If we create that whole system, then there's going to be a lot of ways that you're actually paying far less in taxes than would be representative of not just what you made, but what you have in general, right? Yeah. So I guess that that was I guess that was kind of an aside and a spiel, but I do. Let's get back to uh, specific. Well, no, because okay. a lot of the, no, that I think what you're, you're the larger point you're making, yeah. and I'm, I'm just listening because it's this is a complicated topic. It, it really, so it's really is nice that you you've had you know you've studied this, but mm-hmm. um, I think the larger theme that you're making is that uh, the way that the wealthy 
the way that this works for the wealthy is has the way that it's being sold that it's helping middle classes mm-hmm. disguises the way in which it helps the wealthy even though it doesn't look like it does that much mm-hmm. i think mostly this has to do with um well not maybe mostly but one way is oh actually the most way is corporate tax rate gets gets uh, yeah. like slashed ridiculously yeah. and one most americans and even most republicans don't want the corporate tax rate to be cut mm-hmm. now um the argument is that lots of loopholes get cut out of this bill and so that's what's going to make it okay that we so let me get the numbers the numbers are it's like right now i think it's it's still 30, at like in 35 the 39. it's 35 yeah. percent. and also just to point they out wanna... a little bit of history the tax reform the tax code was ref- last reformed in 1986 during reagan uh-huh. and uh yeah. they slashed that's when they cut it all corporate, right? they, they slashed, slashed corporate tax rate from 50 to 35 percent Right. right, and and this was the whole Reaganomics thing. This is something that Kansas also really did. They like and, cut. And yeah, it was disastrous. <laughs> yeah. It was like absolutely yeah. disastrous. Like public parks closing and swimming pools closing and shit like that. Yeah, completely nuts. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. So it's thir- right now it's thirty five percent. They want to cut it to twenty. Um, Which is abs- it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's like reckless. Now what. The rights or the GP's argument will be is that we have like one of the highest effective or not effective. Sorry, we have one of the highest uh, like alleged. I don't know the term you call it. Okay, pre deduction tax rate. Yeah, pre. That's we have, it. Yeah. We have we have the we, highest. Okay, so we do have the highest pre deduction tax rate on corporations, but we but, provide it provided uh, an extensive uh, system. So so much that effect our effective tax rate is 18.1%. Exactly. Our corporate tax yep. yeah is 18.1%. So um the fact that they're going to lower it to um 20%, it doesn't it means that that effective tax rate's also going to go much lower too, especially because a lot of many ways in which that number gets down is through pass-through corporations, yes. which that tax rate is also coming down too. Yep. To uh, was that twenty five percent? Twenty five percent. And I forget what I forget what pass through was. I think it was thirty. I think pass through rate was thirty percent. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't quote me on that because I forget the exact number. Yeah, but it. But it, I have something here that says it would lower the top rate that pass through companies pay from thirty eight point four percent to only thirty one. Oh, thirty. Yes. Uh, no, actually, yep. You're right. There is that thirty eight point four. Yeah, I had forgotten about that, but yes. So it's they're trying to lower that from thirty eight point four to twenty five for pass through companies, and and just to say, like a pass through company, is like um, an entity being used for legitimately just like the ingress and egress of funds, right? So like uh-huh. one of the things to think about, just like when you talk about corporate tax rate, okay? Like I know I you know I have friends from back home that are um, self made people, very conservative as well, and. Um, and you know they own like what's the uh, uh, the uh, uh, pool supply store in Florida? Pinch a penny is what it's called, okay? And they own these pinch a penny places, and they have to organize like per their franchise deal. They organize as corporations. Now that's the way that a lot of people think about corporations. It's like your business, right? But what a lot of people yeah. kind of forget is that like the Waltons, the Waltons are much closer to a corporation than they are to a family. Do you see what I'm saying <laughs> when it comes to their yeah. money? Like the use of their yeah. money, that family itself is organized, and uh, those um, all of that, uh, all of that wealth and all of that equity is distributed among these varying trusts and uh, corporations and LLCs and partnerships, in se- essentially to make them, you know, not just pay as little tax as possible, but it also allows them to take advantage of just general corporate structures, right? It's a great way of making sure that your money, you have tons of money, you can't keep an eye on every dollar, Uh-oh. and you need oversight, so you create corporations. But so the thing is, just lowering the tax rate they're not just generally talking about lowering the tax rate that your local auto mechanic pays or something like that, right? It's actually uh, one of the primary effects it's going to have is that it's going to lower the taxes being paid on these uh, kind of artificial organizations used for uh, the management of large, you know, large accumulations of wealth by uh, some of the same people that were supposed to be like, you know, receiving tax cuts on other ends of the spectrum as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So the thing is that like, you know, just like lowering the corporate tax rate 
is, uh, I mean, I, I don't understand why people think that that will do all that much because why would it, you know, with, pay- well, the argument is that the, it's the Reaganomics thing. Oh, so, oh yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I, I, just I don't think like any serious that. person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just totally. like, you know, I, I just like, you know, aside from the absolute, you know, fantasy world that uh, trickle down economics lives in. Right. Um, I mean, I guess the argument that I read that was like that, you know, the closest to something that made sense was that if you lower taxes uh, in the United States on corporations, they'll be more likely to bring profits back to the U.S. from overseas. So instead of hiding money in tax havens, they'll bring it back because it makes more sense for them to exercise that money in the United States now because they have to pay less taxes on it. But the truth of the matter is that doesn't actually make any sense when you think about the way that a corporation works. A corporation is always going to minimize its taxes, right? Cutting taxes right. doesn't mean they are, they're going to go and pay more taxes. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's a kind of backwards logic in my, in my opinion. Do you see what I'm saying? Especially since, uh, uh, foreign income by U.S. companies will be in general tax-free. That is also that is legitimately the scariest fucking thing in this is the yeah. because that, that's so if you go, let's say that you want to go and live in Paris for a year, and you get a job bartending in Paris, right? You uh-huh. pay taxes in France, but you also are you're also required to pay American taxes. It's all right. income generated from any means whatsoever, anywhere, right? It's not the you know exact definition of it in the tax code, but it's something akin to that, right? From any you know for, uh, income from any source whatsoever, anywhere in the world. Now, imagine that like now you're a corporate. We're talking about a corporation, and a corporation gets to go and build factories in Thailand and pay zero taxes in Thailand because they're trying to uh, you know get the business to come and do manufacturing in that country. And then what do they do? They legitimately pay no taxes on the money that they make in Thailand, right? And then we don't tax them at all. And they get to come and then use that money in like the American economy, essentially, because they're, you know, an enormous corporation. They're able to use that, those funds to get loans to use in the United States, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea is that like, I mean, what's so bizarre about this is that there's so much stuff that like corporations are allowed to do to save money that, regular people aren't allowed to do to save money, right? Uh-huh. Which I think is right. so bizarre. I mean, um, the really egregious example is that, um, you know, uh, like a corporation can obviously deduct a particular, um, uh, you know, can deduct all kinds of expenses. Like, you know, but, uh, I make copper wire. The price, of the, the price of the copper, I get to deduct up against the income I make from the copper wire. Duh. Right. That's like how it works. Okay. But the thing is that like they got rid of the, uh, I forget what they called it exactly, but there's, there was a particular deduction for teachers who buy school supplies for their classrooms. They want to get rid Uh of that. Is that, they want to get rid of that. Well, the whole, the whole school thing's really crazy too, because of, um, God, this is going to be a little bit of a schizophrenic conversation. Uh, It's it's hard to say on one topic. It's, it, yeah, it, but, um, one thing that bothers me the most about this um, is that – so the way that – like let's say you're a, a, a PhD student. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it works is that you get a stipend and so you get some money to live. It's, yep. real, it's usually really paltry. And then you get a uh, – your tuition is paid for. Yep. Right now, you only pay taxes on your stipend, mm-hmm. which is already like hilarious because it's so little. Yeah, exactly. Under these bills, that tuition, which was once tax-free, counts as income, and that gets taxed. Uh, imagine um, what that actually means. So a person. So the, yeah. the tuition is so much more expensive than the stipend is. Hundreds so are, fold. Yeah. So like some of they they were just running some numbers. Um, uh, I got. I think like there was a document circul- circulating around Berkeley where people were just. Uh, like running what the numbers would be for them and a lot of it was like they would have to pay 25 percent more in taxes um and that's like an issue because that's going to mean so many you know the advice i was always given is never do graduate school unless it's paid for Mm -hmm. um because (laughs) it's the idea is that you go into academia afterwards because you can't you don't have to take on debt yeah 
but you're gonna have to take loans in this scenario because that it just you're already like living in basic poverty in that you you'll have to take really loans do, to pay the taxes on your tax like, <laughs> on your on your tax tuition yeah. you know Precise, I mean? yeah. and so that's gonna drive people to like once they're done with their phds to i think you cut go up. go into uh private the private sector, which you might not think is bad, but it would be so bad because <laughs> there would just be no more research being done, like on the level that we need, um, because this affects mostly STEM majors the most, so uh, or disciplines. So I think sixty percent of all uh, people that are researching in like science fields would get hit by this. So that would cause a mass exodus <laughs> for people to like need to pay their loans back and. When you go into academia, it's even worse. Like once you get a job, it's difficult to get a job. It's not going to be high paying at first. Like you are going to drown in this debt in a way that you weren't. We don't want our researchers to be drowning in. Um, it, so I think it's going to halt innovation in that way. And then one thing that has Silicon Valley worried, which I would imagine would also um, be kind of scary for other industries, but especially because Silicon Valley, uh, the startup culture is. <laughs> very yeah. rich there um these plans um so instead of um taxing stock options when they're exercised they get uh -huh. taxed at the point when they're vested yes. and so um usually what will happen is uh like if you are you know a startup and you want to hire talent you offer op obviously options and to the company mm -hmm. um and so that you're like promoting growth like you're, you want them to see the company grow because then they're like staking they have a stake in the company um Absolutely. but if it but if you tax them right when at the point when the options are vested then they may own they may owe taxes on something they don't even own yet wait is that actually did, are they i'm sorry did, did they are they trying to get rid of that system are they trying to say that it's taxable realized income when you are issued the the option in your in your employment agreement with a vesting date they say that you have to pay taxes on those options yeah yeah that's bizarre. i know it sounds that, crazy you know, but also, yeah just to, just to point out that's so like a, a good a good thing to just keep in mind and why that is so fucking bizarre that is that's inconsistent with with the theory of taxation of income taxation you get taxed on income when it is realized, okay? So for example, right. I buy a house for $100,000, and if I sell it 10 years later for 500000 I only pay taxes on that $400,000 that I made when I sell the house. It's not that I pay taxes every year that my house gets more valuable, right? Right. Because I don't have income from it. I bought the house, I paid taxes on the $100,000 that I used, the income I had to buy the house, and then only when I sell it do I realize that income. And you deduct what's called the basis, that underlying $100,000, and you pay taxes on $400,000. The concept of taxing those options before they have vested is shockingly inconsistent with that theory. Or when they're when they're exercised. When, when they're exercisable. Yeah. Or when they're exercised, yeah. you mean. Exercised. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're making the same analogy, okay, yeah, the analogy because, works. Yeah, yeah well, because the idea is like, those options, you can't exercise those options for a couple of years. Is the idea that they're saying that you can, that you get taxed on it when they vest. So it's like in two years, you can uh, exercise these options, right? When you can exercise yeah. them. You still don't pay under those two years, I'm sure. But the idea of not paying, uh, the idea of not paying when, uh, I'm sorry, the idea of paying even when you have not exercised the options is completely inconsistent with the theory of the realization of income that underlies the entire tax system. Is that, is yeah. it, that's, that's just like shockingly strange. That doesn't make sense from any theory's perspective. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, that's an issue. <laughs> I would yeah, say majorly. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, I feel like I just don't, uh, like the when we we're talking about the pass through income too, mm -hmm. like it's so obvious that it's not made. It eighty six percent of taxpayers with pass through income already pay less than the twenty five percent. That's that's and, great. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like I think only. Oh God, there's there's 
it's like only one or two percent of people who pay under or who own companies that are under a hundred thousand dollars like that the company's worth will see any tax benefit whatsoever um it's there's just all these ways where it seems like it like it becomes kind of an attack on small business i guess that like i mean yeah absolutely or or not an attack but like it doesn't it's so doesn't help them in whatsoever yeah and and And, one of the other things just to point out something like capital gains what i kind of wanted to talk about a a little bit is just generally what a capital gain is so like i buy stock for a hundred dollars i sell it later for $150, that $50 I made is what's called a capital gain. It's money that I made on an investment rather than by me doing work and gaining income, okay? Now, capital gains tax Uh was reformed under the Bush administration, okay? And there are, one of the ways to think about this is that you can pay lower, you, you pay lower taxes on what are called qualified capital gains as well as what are called qualified dividends, money paid out from particular kinds of companies as dividends, okay? And you pay a Mm -hmm. lower tax rate on that than your regular bracket rate. And like, you know, capital gains are bare minimum taxed at about 40%, right? Just below 38.5, right? Tax right about there. But the vast majority of what you call qualified capital gains are being taxed at about 25, 20%, right? Far lower than the actual bare minimum amount. Now, what what counts as a qualified capital gain? Guess what doesn't count as a qualified capital gain? Me buying stake in your small business in order to get you started and me selling my stake in the business five years later when your business is taken off, right? That doesn't count like, you know, I I don't know the specifics. So like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, misrepresent, but I am under the impression that that small business investments do not fall under the qualified capital gains rate. And therefore, you actually pay more on money realized from investment in small businesses than you do in buying stock in Apple, right? Yeah. And this right, is the yeah. same group of people that tell you, you know, remember the John Oliver where it's um, uh, small businesses are the backbone of our economy. Small businesses are the backbone of our economy. Everybody, yeah, uh, all the right, politicians yeah. say that shit, right? And it's just not actually translated in, in these plans at all. And so, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about the taxing the options in the manner that they're talking about, like when um, when they're vested rather than when they're exercised, that's obviously making it more difficult for startups to ra- to um, yeah to raise. Capital. That was the point I was trying to make. Yeah, the whole it's it's hard to like totally like make a like an emblem of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's where I was getting at. Where it's like all, there, it seems all these ways where it's it's hurting just uh, people wanting to start their own shit. <laughs> you know, like Not, you wanna, yeah, for sure. Do you want to research? Do you want to um, make a small business and attract people? Do you, you know, do you want to yeah, just start exactly. a normal? Yeah, it's like all what these ways. What they want ways you to do work. is go work at Verizon. You know, they want yeah. Verizon to pay you to do those things to make Verizon bigger. You know what I mean? We'll kill. We'll kill Title Two. Uh, neutrality. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just work work for the company. But also, um, what do you think about? Uh, getting rid of all the state and local deductions. Oh, that's just that's that's a way of that's a way of paying for the tax cuts uh for these for richer people by taxing blue states more. Places that the, the Republicans don't care about. So like Now why know, why are blue states um because uh, they're affected taxed, more because they're this. taxed more. I mean just straight straight simply. So Florida, where I live and where Johnny is from, we don't have any state income tax, right? Therefore, right. the state and local income tax exemption does nothing for us, right? There's no income tax in the state of Florida, okay? Therefore, uh-huh. getting rid of that deduction does nothing to harm you know, Floridians, regular Floridians making all of their money in the state. But guess who does pay a lot of income tax? Californians and uh, New Yorkers and Washingtonians, right? Um, uh-huh. What do you call a person from Oregon? Oregonese? <laughs> or, or, Oregonian? Oregon. Oregonese. Uh, Oregonian? I don't know. But or, or the, just Who call cares? him an oregano. Split the difference. Call him an oregano. So um, the yeah. oreganos are... <laughs> <laughs> the oreganos. Yeah. But so, the, you know, the, the reason it's going to affect blue states more is just because we generally in blue states have higher taxes because it's a more progressive system, Right. Doesn't seem to be hurting the economies of California or New York very much, so I don't know what the point is, you know, for people saying that yeah. higher tax, higher state taxes are bad. But so by cutting out that deduction, 
they're, you know, freeing up space for them to give cuts elsewhere to donors and putting it on people who would never vote for them in the first place. Right? Right. You know, somebody in Seattle who's paying a ton of taxes to the state and city who wants to deduct those taxes from their federal income. I mean, you know, it's so funny because Republicans like to talk about double taxation when it comes to uh, taxing corporations and taxing dividends and distributions from corporations, which is also a complete fallacy. That's 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 a talk for a different day because that's really that makes absolutely zero sense. Like that's just um, that's an invented concept. The idea of double taxation. No, it's two separate entities, you and the corporation. They're two different people. That's why you have limited liability. End of it, right? But the idea is that, like, people would pay be paying taxes to the city, to the state, and then pay taxes on the money they paid taxes, they paid as taxes, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a way of just kind of milking states uh, that have no interest in voting for the Republican Party, milking them for the money to pay for donor cuts— you know, it cuts to uh, donors' tax rates while still not affecting people in, you know, Mississippi and uh, Florida and Kansas and Oklahoma and all the red states, right? Um, and I mean, if you right. – it, like, it's funny. I have the list here of just, like, the, the specific things that they, um, that they cut out. So the student loan interest, right? So interest you pay on your student loan, no longer deductible. You have to pay taxes on it. Qualified tuition, yeah. as we spoke about earlier, you have to pay taxes on it. Now, I mean, you used to not have to pay on qualified tuition. Now you have to pay it. State and local taxes, property taxes above $10,000, right? Which is which is also ridiculous <laughs> because, I, I mean, that's, that's bizarre because property taxes are actually another system that's really regressive. So, like, you know, a small landowner is paying a whole lot more out of his pocket. Like, it feels like a lot more to pay taxes on your land than for somebody to pay taxes on their third property. Do you know what I mean? Um, Uh The mortgage interest rate. uh, I'm sorry. The mortgage interest on new mortgages over $500,000. That's being cut down significantly. Medical and long-term care expenses are no longer deductible. And this is the same company that the same party that's trying to get rid of Obamacare. I mean, come on. Um, And uh, (laughs) dependent care assistant programs uh, and other employee fringe benefits. So like if you go and you're an employee for a company and they provide a daycare, Right. That used to be something that would that would be a a qualified deduction another a qualified exemption. I'm sorry, because it technically is income. Right. Your company giving you access to a daycare facility is technically income to you that we can quantify. Right. But we've always said that that's exempted. No, that's not like, yeah, it's part of your compensation, but that's bullshit. We don't we, we don't want to tax you for being for your company letting you keep your child in the office in a daycare facility. Well, Republicans want to tax that, right? The, just the oper- just your company giving you the opportunity to leave your kid in a daycare center, whether you use it or not. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, and, and so the thing is that, like, there are these other, I mean, all of that, all of that that I just described, all of that sounds like stuff that those, those deductions would have most likely helped the middle class uh, the most. In other words, like the middle class would feel the benefits of those deductions the most, more than uh, more than rich people. Now, they also, on top of cutting all of that stuff to deductions for regular middle class people, they also decided to reorganize the way that the upper class is is um, uh, is taxed in the first place. So there's this thing called the alternative minimum tax. Right. I was going to ask because they repealed this and I don't know what it is really. It's so it's not a good thing that they repealed it. The alternative minimum tax is a um, is a way of ensuring that rich people don't blot out all of their taxes based on deductions. Right. So the idea is the alternative minimum tax. I forget what the what the rate is or how the how the formula works. Okay, but I know the mechanism, Uh the mechanism is that this is the least in taxes you can pay, right? And it's based on some formulation, right? You know, um, uh, uh-huh. uh, you know, some construction of your income and your wealth at any given time, the distribution of your income, how much loss you've taken, what kinds of deductions you're taking, right? But the idea is that it sets a minimum bar that someone has to pay taxes, okay? Now, you can't take, you, you know, you can try and take deductions lower than that, but... You can't actually realize them. You have to pay at least this much in taxes, 
right? And the alternative minimum tax is significantly lower than if you were to just take an unadjusted income, okay, and apply the higher tax rate to it. In other words, like mm -hmm. I'm in a high tax bracket, I take my I take my income, I don't do what's called adjusting it. In other words, I don't take deductions, I don't take exemptions. I would pay X amount. That X amount is significantly higher than the alternative minimum tax, okay? And I can generally take a lot of deductions if I'm rich because I did a lot of qualified spending, right? And if I take uh -huh. all those deductions, I can't go below the bar of alternative minimum tax. What that does, what that does now, getting rid of it, means that there's absolutely no minimum amount that particular that people in particular brackets have to pay. Meaning they can essentially get rid of their entire tax bill if they spend their money correctly. Do you see okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's like the big problem with getting rid of the alternative minimum tax. And then on top of dude, getting rid of the estate tax. Like, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, what? the estate. They, well, it, I don't know if they got rid of it. They doubled the uh, exemption. Well, they doubled the exemption and um, they, I mean, they, originally they just tried to get rid of it. I'm pretty sure that in the uh, first yeah. draft of the bill, they just get rid of the, the state tax. And I mean, what's so funny is I've even, I've even, uh, I've read accounts from like far right. Oh no, I get it. I know what happened. Uh, the house eliminates the estate, but the Senate uh, Only doubles adjusted. the exemption. Okay, yeah. doubles yeah. the exemption. Okay. But so the house yeah. one, it, it completely eliminates the estate tax, which is just shocking because <laughs> that that's it, insane. It, yeah. What's so funny, it's, what's so funny about it too, is that there are already so many ways that, um, that your assets when passed through the specific function of a will or in, or in a testamentary trust, in other words, you die and it passes to somebody else. There are so many other yeah. ways that we give so much benefit. To people who are transferring assets like that. So like if I buy a house at $100,000, I keep it until the day I die when it's worth $750,000 and I give it to you, Johnny, right? You now yeah. have the house with a basis of $750,000. So if you sell it for $800,000, you only pay taxes on the 50 fucking thousand. Not yeah, on not the 750000 I gained during my life but didn't exercise and realize. Right now, okay. the thing is that on top of this, I mean, I, I like I wanted to point this out. I've read I've read an account by like a pretty far right economist. I forget it's a Canadian guy. I forget his name. Where he goes like the only tax that makes sense is the estate tax. Right. This is like you know there are a yeah. lot of people that go yeah you should make money at like the you know we we should tax when assets in bulk are transferred because that because that means that like the government needs to cover all the expense necessary for that particular like the legal function of that transfer right and it's yeah. also a way of preventing uh stagnation in the economy because it's a forceful way of pulling money back down right now the thing is that that's funny because a guy that's so against you know a guy that also argues for flat income tax rates is also arguing that the estate tax is like necessary for the function of an, of an economy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which totally. I, which I find really funny. And so getting rid of the estate tax, I mean that, that only affects, I think it's 5,350,000 only people transferring 5,350,000 and over get affected. So that's not, how much you made or how much you're worth or X, Y, and Z. That's how much you have in assets when you die transferring to your family, right? That affects so little. It's something like 0.8% of Americans. It's five point. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, they're going to, uh, yeah, it's 5.5 million. And then, uh, mm -hmm. you know, obviously doubling it would be 11 or getting rid of it is. <laughs> no, it's just, yeah. it's just absolutely, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, the uh, the estate tax is one of those things that I, I have no idea how people convinced regular working class Americans that it was in their best interest to get rid of the estate tax that will literally never affect them or their children. Ever. I think, you know, like, well, I think it's because um, they just see it. Oh, they made all that wealth. Why would they, you know, the event of death have anything to do with? It's so funny. You know, it's what? not the event but of death. It's the transfer the of assets. It's the right. it's the act of transfer, which is like a, it's assets. almost like a sale in a way. Yeah, like. <laughs> it's a, yes, exactly. It's it's almost like a sale, and like I said, we already give so many benefits to the receivers of testamentary gifts, right? 
Like if you get a gift in a will, so I get a house for $750,000, that's technically income. I just gained a house, but I don't pay taxes on it. I don't pay taxes on getting the house, right? Uh Because it's a testamentary gift. It's exempted from my income tax. I only pay pay income tax when I sell the house for more than it was worth when I got it, right? Yeah, and you're only selling it for, right. It's like a new, it's washed in a new. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I mean, that's one of the baptized. Yeah, one of the sleeper things that they do in these t- in these tax systems is that they do these adjustments in basis. So, like, um, I love the example of I buy a baseball signed by Mark McGuire for $1,000. I keep it for 10 years. I Let's say I own a sports bar. Then I trade the baseball signed by Mark McGuire when it's worth $5,000. For a base, for a football signed by Joe Montana, that's worth six thousand dollars, right? I trade for that football, take the football. They call it a like-kind exchange. Then, when I sell that football for ten thousand dollars later, I only pay taxes on four thousand dollars, not on the nine thousand dollars in total. So, what what I just mm-hmm. described there is a way that, like, if you have assets. You can do these transfers and these, you know, uh, these little workarounds that allow you to just not pay taxes on tons of realized wealth, right? So we already Mm -hmm. leave that open for a lot of these. So closing these kind of, you know, the alternative minimum tax or the estate tax is just doing nothing but adding money into their pockets, right? And so it doesn't Mm -hmm. actually, it doesn't encourage any particular kind of economic conduct Right. It's not encouraging the people to put that money back in the market. Right. And if anything, it's encouraging them to bring it overseas because we, you know, because we're going to say that they get to pay taxes at the Bermuda tax rate. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that that was kind of a spiel, but I meant to bring into to focus that like, dude, they already have so many cool loopholes and different ways cool, of, or, super cool yeah super cool dope <laughs> yeah. you know really like you know we, like what, what's the guy the the um uh, ajit pa with his uh is that his name with the uh the reese's cup like i'm very cool oh, like i'm gonna give you cool deductions yeah. i'm super cool. yeah <laughs> millennials you know i have yeah. snapchat right <laughs> I, yeah. I, yeah ridiculous but so um yeah, I, the getting rid of the estate tax is completely bizarre. And then also student loan forgiveness is another thing then. So let's say that you go, you have a student loan, and you go and you work for the federal government for a few years. What they do is that many federal government agencies will actually forgive your federally subsidized student loan if you go and you do that work for them. Now, generally, if I take out a loan, right, I don't pay taxes on that loan when I take out the loan. I pay taxes on the loan when I pay it back because that has discharged my obligation and therefore the discharge of obligation is income. So if I work for the government and I get my student loan forgiven, okay, they forgive my student loan, then what happens is that back in the day, like before this, before this, uh, before this tax plan, you wouldn't have to pay taxes on the forgiveness of that loan, even though it's technically income, it is a discharge of your debt you still don't pay taxes on it because it's qualified exemption, right? Under this plan, the idea is that you would still have to pay taxes on the government forgiving your student loan. So that you're get, you're sitting there getting paid nothing working in a public sector job. And then the one thing that's good about this is that they're going to forgive your student loan. And then you have to pay a bunch of taxes on having your student loan forgiven, right? Yeah. Which is completely bizarre as well. And so I think that we should, I want to take a little turn on this. I want to say that like one of the, one of the crazy things about all of this is that this, this tax plan is so funny when you put it in context of like the Paradise Papers that just came out, right? So like Uh when you talk about the Paradise Papers, I mean, really, you know, we had the Panama Papers before, right? Which was a lot, uh, there was a lot more information. It was like two and a half terabytes of documents and the Panama, the uh, Paradise Papers is like one and a half terabytes. Okay. But the Paradise Papers is way more detailed on its account of the methodologies by which companies like Apple are hiding their income from, uh, from their uh, U.S. income tax statements. Right. And, you know, Apple is like, you know, people love to think of Apple as like a good company. No, dude, they're like the biggest tax dodgers in the U.S. right now. 
they, you know, they are really, really intense about not paying their taxes and minimizing their tax bill. And so when we just get this, this leak that shows just how much extra money is being hidden by wealthy individuals and by corporations throughout the world in these secretive tax havens, this is when you introduce a tax bill saying that you want to give them more tax cuts on what little income they actually declare in the United States. Yeah. I mean, it's the most bizarre it's, thing. And this is all being fed to people as being somehow a win for the middle class. I'm, it's so confusing. You know, I don't, I don't know how you get away with that, with that fiction. You know? Um, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It's good. Well, here's, here's what I want to say is okay. that um, I am pretty sure this just I, – I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't Why, think it's going to happen either, but yeah. I don't – I, I think there's, you know, it's worth <coughs> it's worth remembering the reason why the tax bill or any tax bill, I would imagine, is, would have difficulty being passed in this climate is that um, it need you. The only way you can do it, like with the only way you can do it partisanly, as in you only have to rely on like satisfying your own party. Yeah. Uh, would be that it needs to pass through. It needs to. Um, uh, follow reconciliation instructions. Yep. So, meaning that it has to be after it ten, its ten year window, it needs to be uh, deficit neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's not going to be deficit <laughs> neutral no, in I mean, ten no, years. It won't at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're also waiting for. Yeah, they're waiting for the um, the analysis on that. But there's no possible way that it'll be deficit neutral. No. But even like the. Um, the, some projections from the Joint Committee on Taxation show that like it would still the, the annual deficit is would be over a hundred billion <laughs> by twenty twenty seven. So the like yeah, but so. It, there's just no way that and it, it's just nowhere in the lifespan of uh the those ten years does it ever does it ever get deficit neutral. Um yeah. which means that they would need the sixty votes. Um which they won't get. There's two ways apparently this uh, uh, that you can get by this. One is do something what George Bush did, which is just make the the bill temporary. Mm-hmm. So it does. So if it doesn't hit, if it if it ends at 2028, then they don't need to. It doesn't need to be uh, uh, a deficit neutral. Yeah. Um, but the difference is this. There's a we've been talking a lot about the overhaul of the tax code when it comes to business mm-hmm. and you don't want to be doing that every 10 years. Like a lot of like the, the thing we are talking alone with the pass through um, income that there's already going to be such a huge like reorganizational shit storm that would happen if that passed where you're mm-hmm. getting companies who never really needed to think about it before are now going to be hiring accountants and it's just going to be like mm. entire there's going to be entire restructuring that's going to last much longer than 10 years sure. um that if you were to just switch it again it's just like it's too much i don't think biz, it just it wouldn't be palatable to businesses that well i mean just say, like yeah, very simply business favors certainty and there right. is the and, and like uncertainty and, is like you know the plague of of uh macro financial decisions right and so, like, yeah, you right. don't want it, you know, in 2028 it ends, and then guess what? Like, what if the Democrats are there? And then just, you know, let it lapse and don't put anything else in place. And then the next day it jumps to 35% again, you know what I mean? Um, they're not going to yeah. take the, like, businesses will not, uh, will be very wary of putting capital investment in restructuring themselves in order to comply with a tax plan that could just lapse in 10 years, Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, the other way, which is scarier to me because I can just see this happening, is that they can just lie. They can just say it will be deficit neutral. And the way they would do that is just by denouncing the CBO mm-hmm. and the JCT and the, and the, uh, the joint committee, which is a, a committee in Congress. <laughs> but they, I guess they could, they, they could just say whatever. Like these guys don't know what they're talking about. This is kind of what I don't know, man. They been they spent a lot of time discrediting the CBO, uh, the they Congressional really Budget Office during the entire ta- like healthcare bill after healthcare bill. They just 
the Republicans kept like defaming the CBO as you know biased or partisan or they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, that's a situation I can see kind of happening where they just say no, it will be budget, but it's just it's on the face of it so absurd that I don't exactly know what happens after that if that's the line they go with if there's some sort of recourse or yeah and and to be really I, to be honest I don't I don't know enough about like Senate procedure like parliamentary procedure in the United States to know if they can just get away with that because fuck dude I I mean like it may just take yeah I don't know how that system works I don't know if you can just go it is you know deficit neutral and pass it anyway like is are those cuz like in some way up, in some know? way they did that in yeah, some way they yeah. did that with their the healthcare bills right yeah, like for i sure. mean they, it's still like those weren't budget I don't. I mean, there was, the CBO definitely didn't say they were, you know, deficit neutral, <laughs> deficit neutral and they went yeah. ahead. That's true. But it's just like, but this. I think that the it's different because there we were having a debate. That debate was a lot less about money and paying for it. I think people were just like, um, I mean, it was about money in terms of affordability, but it wasn't about like, um, you know, how much the government is spending in the way that yeah about like. The, the, the deficit, deficit in the yeah, way, exactly. yeah, in the way that uh, a, a tax reform bill is supposed to be, and this is a reform bill, like they're, they're specifically trying to inject new ideology using this. So um, it, it's possible that on that basis, that you know, because they're trying to make crazy claims, like oh, like um, if we cut, like we were talking about with corporate taxes. Mm-hmm. If we cut them, the money's going to come back. Like you guys are, their argument is that we're completely underestimating how much money we're getting back when we do that. And yeah, uh, and, and I mean, what's funny no is data like, suggests it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the data I mean, refutes we, we it. have the data. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have we, we have the technology. Yeah, we and, have uh, the technology. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, like, you're totally right about that. It's you know, um, I'm all down for discussing all you know alternative tax policies and stuff like that. I actually like despite being you know what people would kind of consider me to be like you know an old wing leftist or something like that like i'm very um when i say progressive i mean that like i see both sides of the aisle on tax policy right i'm all for cutting certain taxes i'm all for raising certain taxes i'm all for simplifying the tax code all of that stuff right and i'm so willing to have intelligent conversations about the tax code but what's so funny is that the concept the bare concept of trickle-down economics, of just cutting taxes, and then the market will redistribute the wealth afterwards, right? That was an interesting idea before we tried it, and it never worked. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, that, that idea yeah. was interesting in the 20s when it was new and, you know, like, chic, okay? And you get you put in different things. You try, <laughs> like, you try things out, right? But then by the time the 80s roll around, not only has it not worked up until then, but then in the 80s, it fails miserably. That's why, you know, the deficit spiked so much under Ronald Reagan, right? I mean, this happens all the time. You know, the Republicans cut taxes and then never get around to actually cutting spending in any way and run up huge deficits, right? And so, um, yeah, I'm so down to have like an intelligent and bipartisan conversation about tax, but for you know the people to go, oh, you guys just don't understand economics, and you know what's going to happen is everybody's going to make more money, so all of the taxes will work out. We'll get a lot more money back, right? That just has never happened before, ever. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's it's very funny that there's no evidence to suggest that that could occur, but it's still the the narrative that they sling. You know? Yeah, and I think this is just a like a instantiation in bill form of that uh ideology i don't you know it's upsetting i guess but i just you know mm-hmm. we'll see i think i think the I, it's good to talk about it now but i think the real drama is going to come later it when mm-hmm. you know i i think that's the that's why i want to end on this point the mm-hmm. um because the the reconcile if they decide not to care about uh you know the estimates or the projections of the mm-hmm. cbo and they just go ahead with it. It's gonna yeah. be a whole. It's like a. It's like it's its own form of like a nuclear option in a way. For sure. Um, and it's. I. I feel like there's more motivation to do that because the donor class has a, a stronger connection with the tax issue than they do the healthcare one, right? For sure. And so, it. If you're interested in like. Um, 
Congress <laughs> proceeded. That just did. <laughs> it's yeah. This could like change the landscape of like the set, like just of Congress for a while. There's implications in ter- in terms of the proceedings oh, and yeah, what yeah. Uh, what 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 counts as what you know in yeah. a way like what what's what what counts as uh data or information or evidence maybe um, maybe maybe i'll research that sometime we can talk about like changes to like you know congressional procedure that have been happening because that's actually like that's a sleeper interesting topic but i don't know enough about it now to speak to it yeah it's definitely not i don't know but this is why this is exciting i think like even if it's horrifying because you can just <laughs> see like uh, it's a transformation it's a, and i don't know it's it's definitely going to be wild especially because like it's. I don't know how much I could talk about this, but the the debates we saw with the House caucus, I mean the Freedom Caucus versus like the establishment Republicans, like Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be they're making. That's not the drama right now. Um, in the tax, like in in the story of like this this bill coming out, it's not as like um, like traumatized in that way between from mm-hmm. the the internal factions. Um, there does definitely seems to be a lot more solidarity. Well, I, I still have I still have kind of faith in um, uh, like Suzanne Collins. I think came out and was just like I, I can't support this. This is crazy, right? And then even um, what was it? John McCain even said, "I'm not going to vote for anything that cuts taxes for the rich or something like that." Right? That could all uh, just be lip service. That could all be bullshit. But like it's you know the way that the way their track record is going right now, uh, I doubt that even even if they push really hard that they'd actually be able to get something like this through. Um, uh, Jeff, even, even if it doesn't hoping. get, yeah. Um, you think even like if they can like get it through a reconciliation, I still think that they may not trouble? even be able to get, I don't think they could get 50 votes. Right. I think that there's, oh. um, I think that there's a possibility that you would, um, you would see, uh, you know, the same people that were voting against healthcare, and they just won't be able to get the votes. You know what I mean? Um, right. And I think that that I think that could definitely happen. Um, and I mean, the other side of it is that, like, yeah, I mean, what? Like, if they get it through, right? Let's say they get through the bill. I mean, we're now looking towards the midterms. I don't know if that's going to do them greater harm than good. You know what I mean? That's that. I guess that was like what I thought was interesting too is because the way that Steve Bannon totally described how donors. yeah yeah the way that they described it too is like their legislative goals was like tax was always going to be the meaty thing and they wanted to do things like healthcare first because they knew the the tax issue was going to be the most important so they wanted to do it later. <laughs> yeah, but now it, the health the healthcare uh, debate took way too much time yeah and now if they especially too with like roy moore and like you know oh like and, and 2017 not looking so bad for blue um mm-hmm. it there might be a, a greater push for solidarity on this um, oh that's i mean that is a good point like they're they, they might go into defensive yeah, mode go into like you know there's like there's like a, a like thing, you know? yeah <laughs> there's definitely a more I think a stronger confluence of factors that would signal the need to like form a solidarity, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if it's strong enough. I don't know if party unity is strong enough to accomplish these like asinine tasks. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, which is so funny. It's like the thing that they you yeah. know, tax reform is the thing they always, always have talked about always wanting to do. Oh yeah. It's and that, they finally get, yeah. they just don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's so funny. It's just, it's pure reactionary. There's like absolutely no like active governance policy. Like there's no, right. go- there's no governing theory of the current Republican party. It is so much more about just like resisting the ever pressing, you know, um, the waves of progressivism, right? You know, uh, and I don't mean to yeah. say like waves of progressive, I'm not trying to be over. <laughs> what I'm saying is that like, it's, it's a resistance party in many ways, like a reactionary party trying to pull back from everything that the other party wants to do. Right. Um, which is funny. See, because, I would, I would actually say with the taxes that like, I would, I would say it's, they're actually least reactionary in a way. And, and what's funny is that's actually I, I that's get actually, I get I what you mean exact, but I was thinking the exact yeah, same thing yeah, yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. kind of my point that like when they try and do something right that's super active like you know taxes tax reform 
right? That's less of a destructive yeah. thing, and they're you know they're trying to build something different. They can't agree on it, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and I think it's I think that's funny because it that that kind of shows that there isn't yeah there might be like party unity, but there's not like ideological unity in the Republican Party. You know what I mean? I think it's kind of worse than the Democrats even to a certain extent. Yeah, you have Democrats and you have like you know, old guard liberals, but yeah, I think that they get, I think that they would both agree on a tax plan much quicker than you can get a bunch of Republicans right now to agree on a tax plan, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. There's something like that. There's something like that. <laughs> Taxes, man. Something Taxes. like that. Taxes. Taxes. But, um, yeah, I think we'll end it there. Uh, <laughs> I'll call it. But, um, you'll call it, you'll call it. Um, so we'll see you at the end of the week. Uh, for talking about something we don't know we're talking about yet but we're going to talk about something i have ideas i have ideas okay we'll we'll talk about them we'll talk we're no we're just going to talk about ideas for the (laughs) yeah exactly that's it's going to be jesus our longest segment yet takes up four days (laughs) (laughs) Um, but all right cool well i'm johnny that's mark say hi mark say bye mark peace mark just said bye all right we'll see you friday (laughs) 